Hail and welcome to Circle Talk, a podcast for seekers, initiates, and the curious by four Alexandrian witches with endless different opinions. We are your hosts. Hi, I'm James, a high priest and coven leader from Louisiana near New Orleans. Hi, I'm Josie. I'm a priestess and coven leader from Victoria, Australia. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm a high priest and coven leader from South Wales. And I'm G, a high priestess and coven leader from just outside Boston, Massachusetts. So as a reminder to our listeners and for our new folk, this is a podcast where we talk about Alexandrian witchcraft and explore differing opinions on how the Alexandrian tradition is practiced in various covens and around the globe. And this particular episode is episode three. So if this is your first episode, welcome. You might want to take a moment to pause this and go back to listen to our introductory episodes, episode zero, introductions, and episode one, definitions, or check them out after you enjoy this one. So for this episode, we're going to try out something slightly different, which is a Sabbath special. And the reason that we wanted to do this is because we really want to highlight two main things. One of the big purposes of our podcast is to highlight that diversity of practice that you can see in different kinds of witches. And so we're hoping that showing how we all celebrate the Sabbath in different ways will get that point across. The other purpose is I often hear from people this thought that if they join a coven, they have to dissolve their personal practice entirely. And so I want to point out that you can maintain a very solid personal practice while participating in British traditional witchcraft or while belonging to a BTW coven. So all of that having been said, let's each talk about how we celebrate the upcoming holiday. So James, do you want to talk about how you all will celebrate the upcoming Sabbath? So um, Kevin's not doing much of anything, primarily because of a practical reason. We're revamping the altar. Literally, it's getting sanded down, varnished, etc. Um, so much work. So there's not a place to put things. But beyond that, is uh, also the period where we go into like a, a rest dark period. And yeah. traditionally, we don't we don't meet or do anything between Samhain and Yule. Really? Yep. That's interesting. Both lines, and both traditions. So I don't I don't think I've seen it any other way. Oh, I kind of like it though. Like a break is nice. So we we kind of have a break as well between between Samhain and Imbolg. Um, it doesn't mean we stop practicing as 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 a coven. But I think like traditionally, like a lot of other covens, we won't necessarily do initiations or elevations or anything, anything like that. Um, but this year for us, we are hosting or we're, we're starting to host a lot more open rituals, which mm. I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, and obviously we've got the coven ritual as well. But for us, it's really similar to, to James's as well. We kind of have a period for the next couple of months where we're just kind of a little bit more taking stock I suppose yeah we we also don't initiate between um Samhain and at the very least Yule occasion but usually we prefer to wait until in bulk but we still meet I will take this moment to say because people have been offended in the past there's nothing wrong with initiating in between Samhain and in bulk that's perfectly fine it's perfectly valid we just don't because we are honoring the quiet time of the year and it's just for us, it doesn't feel like the right thing to do at that time, but there's nothing particularly wrong about it. Um, 
sometimes this is the period where I want to do all the initiations and all the elevations yes. just because everybody else says you shouldn't. And I'm like, right, well, now I want to do it more. <laughs> so there. <laughs> yeah, so there. So beyond uh, coven stuff, we, there is some family traditions that we, we do that derive from older practices. We do dumb supper. The first time we did it, it was with a non-BTW American and destroy witchcraft tradition uh, called the eternal harvest. And we started doing dumb suppers with them probably in 2003, uh, maybe 2004 and have done one every year since. And our first, well, the first Alexandrian coven I was initiated with them and their upline also did them. And I got to do one with them and the our mother coven to them who's in Oregon uh, when I went to visit family there so I've, I've seen two or three different ways to do it and we just we do it as a family and that's quite nice I also work with the, the Irish pantheon in my personal work and so this time of year is when the Dowda and Morgan uh, couple traditionally oh. and so you mark that devotions offerings that kind of stuff um i was gonna say while you guys are slowing down obviously here in the southern hemisphere we're starting to pick up so we're moving into beltane um so there's a lot of talk um sometimes about the energy of Samhain and beltane being really similar and i reckon that's because we're just kind of coming at it from different angles we're stepping up into the light while you guys are going down into the dark so we're sort of starting to sort of kicking to gear and make plans for the summer and, and things like that. So it's it's interesting to hear these stories about slowing down because that's very far from anything that we've been planning at the moment. <laughs> when you talk about the energy being similar, I'm thinking about all of the like poetic imagery that involves death as a bridegroom or like all of the sort of like, I guess horror-esque tales that sort of go along with this like, the the bride as a as being like the dead person um or isn't there like dream symmetry to dream dream symmetry dream symbolism where um like if you dream about a white wedding it means somebody's gonna die I've had that yeah yeah my grandfather threw that at me one time and I was like oh I don't I don't like that if you you think (laughs) of it if you think of it as a two sides of the same coin Mm -hmm. um you know, going back to uh, Dowda and the Morrigan, well, if she's the goddess of death and war and all these things, and he's, well, having sex with her, it, it kind of brings those two points of Samhain and Beltane together as the two sides of the same coin of life and death yeah. and continuation. And because I do the Greek pantheon in my personal practice, and of course, at this point, or slightly earlier than this, I think we generally say that um, Persephone is going back down to be with Hades, right? So then again, we have that sort of marriage imagery, this sort of similar idea. But I hadn't really put that together until you said that, Josie, so I, I appreciate you. But yeah, we do, of course, think about it as like that same energy from different sides. Huh. Well, they're both kind of wonky times of the year. They are. Too, Transition. I find. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like the symbolism that Obviously, when we set up the circle, where we're outside of time and space, and yeah. you've got like 
us here, not like at the top, but you know what I mean, celebrating Sawin. For those of you at home who can't see, he's gesturing to the top of the globe. I'm gesturing to the top (laughs) here right now. (laughs) You've got like within within these witch circles that are all connected on the web are weird. Your practitioners celebrating Sawin, practitioners celebrating Beltan, and coming together that like mingle of energies. Mm. I think it's nice symbolism within the circle. I want to know about people who practice Wicca or paganism on the equator. And what do they do? They don't we'll, have to find, we'll have to find someone. <laughs> well, we have people here in the Southern Hemisphere who practice the Northern Northern, northern sort of calendar. Yeah. What it's I not mean, common, but it happens. I mean, and that, I don't want to say it makes sense, but like I can see how they, I guess, make that work. But the, just like if you're on the equator, which do you pick? And like, Why? I guess, because you all, I'm just curious. I mean, if you don't, I, but I think this about people in Florida too, like you don't have seasons. So like, what do you, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in new England. Like I look outside my window and I can, there's going to be ha- something like very visually seasonal happening. Um, but it's, it's like, if you're in Florida, it's like palm trees year round. What is that? Yeah. Oh, I guess James um, is in Louisiana. So same, not too many. I guess it's, it's sort of the same as in Australia though. Like, most of our books are very northern hemisphere centric specifically north america yeah centric um light a big bonfire for midsummer uh no we'll be arrested (laughs) we'll get arrested and put in jail if we do that here yes that that came out of the very damp uh regions of where where peter is not um not california wildfire area not australia wildfire territory no definitely not well, and seasons are, are relative, so we have winter, but it's not New England winter. No. You know, winter for me is I'm putting a hoodie on, and I might decide to wear pants instead of shorts. I hate you a little bit. <laughs> Same. Same here, James. And you see, here in Wales, we just get warm rain or cold rain. <laughs> we don't really have any seasons anymore. It is just complete rain <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we practiced Samhain it, it, and, and it was dry. Really? <laughs> Sometimes even Beltan as well. <laughs> so I just like need to, so say that again. How do you say yes. the holiday? Me? Yeah. Which one? Samhain? No, Josie's holiday. <laughs> Beltan. Beltan. Yeah, because etymologically, and this is, this, this is like the teacher and me coming out now. Um, you've got tan meaning fire and bell, um, being a reference to Belly Maur, one of the ancestral Welsh gods. So you've got for for Beltan the fire of Belly Maur, and that's that's where it comes in. That's normally the god that will, um, or, or at least at least me during my personal practice, I'll normally worship Bel Belly Maur during Beltan. I think it's really interesting because in Southern United States, we we emphasize it a little bit different, but then also speak a little bit of Gelga, and they say it different mm. as well. So it depends on who I'm speaking to. So you got Beltane, well, the Southern drawl, but then you got Beltana, where it's, uh, it's how you say the month of May. Right. Mm. Because isn't, isn't um, because obviously Sawin 
I think comes from Irish Gaelic as well. And, and doesn't it just mean October as well as the end of summer? Uh, it's it's November, but it's also oh, okay. the festival mm. right. of Samhain. And then you got Ike Salna, which is the, the night of Samhain, which is Halloween. Right. In in Wales, we call Halloween Kalangayav, which means the, the first of winter. But then the practice oh. as well is Norse Kalangayav, which is the night before the first day of winter. Sure. So really, really, there's obviously those those Celtic links there between between Wales and Ireland. I think that's what the Obod guys do as well from the Welsh, maybe. Yeah, I think they, so. They, they do. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't pop quiz me, but I just entered the <laughs> Ovate grade and should know all this. Ooh, wow. Congratulations. congratulations. Well done. Yay for extracurricular activities, I, I know. <laughs> and so how do you say it, Josie? Oh, now I'm going to get all self-conscious of my Aussie twang, but we just say Beltane. I also just say Beltane. I have yeah. nothing. I could I could elongate it like the South and the Beltane, but no, it's spelled Beltane. <laughs> but I think we Beltane. all say Samhain. It sounds like we're all saying Samhain the same. Samhain. I think I think we all came from the same. Like so, I started practicing Neo Wicca right. when I was a teen, yeah. and never heard Samhain being pronounced. And I think there's a meme going around at the moment, like on social oh, media. Yes, I um, saw it with the. With the Hocus Pocus three witches, yeah, the Hocus Pocus three witches, um, and and I think like the the text is when you're pronouncing it as Samhain and you yes. first hear it pronounced as Samhain correctly, and you've got their faces are all like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've also heard it as seven. I mean, you may as well take those middle letters and just throw them out and do whatever you'd like in the middle, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna take that spelling and take it to Samhain, then Samhain sounds just as makes that's just as much sense. That's literally Gaelic to a T, I think. Yeah, yes. such <laughs> is my understanding of Gaelic. Yeah. Mine as sorry, well. Yes. sorry to all the Gaelic speakers out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. So, James, is there anything else you do for the holiday? Or is that about cover it? So, in Louisiana, I'm still getting accustomed to the the yearly cycle here. Mm-hmm. This is us going into our second year living here, and it's a bit odd because I know most of the world and country in the northern hemispheres, this will be the last harvest. Well, I'm getting ready to plant my autumn oh. uh, garden, and it won't be harvested until sometime in December. So it's this odd relationship with the land where you're putting seeds in the ground and expecting a harvest in a, you know, the next 45 days but it's like putting the seeds in the underworld to Mm. come to fruition it's this interesting thing oh that's still getting nice way of thinking about that yeah i'm still getting used to it and wrapping my head around it and how we're gonna play with that a bit because it'll come after after solstice yes well around solstice Solstice. our first frost dates like a week before then i hate you my first frost date is in like five seconds from now, I think. Probably. We can't plant until after, until like after the end of May in New England, if you want to be really, really safe. I'm going to plant around in bulk for the spring, <laughs> which is also fun. No, that is nice. I mean, it does. And I think like that, like you said, like there's definitely something to be worked in there into a, into a practice, right? In terms of the fertility-ness, the agricultural ties of what we do yes yeah, and then so that's that's a lot of what's going on right now is really yeah. just 
paying attention mm. to the local vibe. Like I noticed mid September, all the spider lilies were coming up, and the the locals call them hurricane flowers or hurricane lilies mm. because we're right in the middle of hurricane season. Oh, interesting. So, well, if all the flowers are coming up right around equinox, maybe those should be tied and worked to what we're doing. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Thanks. What about you, Peter? So, yes, there are rituals that that are traditional. And for those of you, obviously, that are just listening, these are air quotes, um, that are traditional in the Book of Shadows. But as a coven, we really like to incorporate ritual drama and we really like to incorporate different gods and goddesses from each year to the next and from each sabbath to the next as well so um one of the rituals that we've done in the past works on almost like a path working down to anun which is the welsh celtic underworld um so that was that was awesome that was one of my well it is one of my favorite rituals and we, I think, I think we're planning to do something similar this year, um, just because the symbolism of going down into Anun and then kind of coming back up symbolizes that light. And yes, okay, we might be in the throes of darkness, but that light is still there and that light will return. But apart from that, like, it's always, it's always a bit, it's always a little bit like, because my family don't speak Welsh traditionally, like none of them mm. speak Welsh apart from me. And by not speaking Welsh, we've lost a lot of Welsh customs, which yeah. you only get if you're in a Welsh speaking family. So like whenever anybody says, oh, you know, Peter, what do you do? I'm like, oh, okay, just the boring stuff. Like oh. I, I wish that, I wish that there was more that I could do. Like there's stuff that I do do, but um, not, not a lot of, not a lot of Welsh culture. Uh, permeates into the coven unless I force it then yeah <laughs> to the delight of all my coveners but yeah just just really that normally we do something which which relates to like an underworld descent and then kind of coming back up I think that's lovely and I don't think it's like the normal what you say the boring stuff the normal stuff no <laughs> the I normal think that's stuff. The normal stuff the I think that's stuff. I think that's great we have a ritual. We don't do it at Salem. We can do it any time of year. Um, that's very similar. And we call it the Rite of Persephone, where we do the same thing. Like we travel down to the underworld and right. um, we have a repeating chant in there where we chant until basically it happens. Sink down, sink down, sink deeper and more deep into eternal and primordial sleep. Sink down, be still, something, something, and draw apart into the inner earth's most secret heart. And so it's just like, and you do that to mimic. That was nice. It's, um, but it's super powerful and doing it around Samhain, I have to imagine is even more incredible. I love that. Beautiful. So that, that reminded me, I was actually writing a chant and I'm going to find where I scribbled the one line I've written so far. Yes. And I'll share it. Have we also seen that meme of like a true a true horror um, movie or like a true haunted house is like you walk in and the ghosts are all reading your poetry from when you're 16. It's like, yes, that does sound like a nightmare. My God. All right. So yes, I've seen that meme <laughs> and I still have all my old cringy 
poetry in a in a book upstairs and i may eventually go dig it out because of that meme just so i can look at who i was and be like oh oh." Uh, circle talk special let's do it (laughs) (laughs) it's a good time of year to be looking at who we were isn't it though all right so the beginning of the chant it's it's inspired a lot by some of the work i've been playing with with the 1734 material Mm -hmm. so it's a northern stang circle round take us beneath the ground and i haven't decided what meter to go with or gone beyond that Mm. but i like that a lot i like the idea of the riding pole yeah stang but the stang's also in the north and so on and so forth so I'm, i'm playing with it no that's really nice and yeah, I can definitely see where the scansion's going to pick up. I think it, I can see the meter going along with that imagery of the riding pole too, almost. Writing chants is hard and props to people who do it. I just was lucky enough to inherit a lot of material from a very prolific librarian in our tradition or like in my, in my line, I should say. Um, our high priestess, my wife, is a music major, was a music wow. teacher in school for several years so nice we're like hey we have this idea for a chant and then like 20 seconds later she's like i wrote you one nice i love that i also like um peter what you said about ritual drama like i feel that so hard i also think ritual drama is really important to, to our practice um both our coven practice and then like our i guess outer court line practice and my personal practice because there's something to be said for emoting for bringing like the more imagery you can bring in the more artistry um to help with that mind state switch that's perfect and it's always nice to keep it fresh it's always nice to change it Mm -hmm. up a little bit from year to year i think i think it's important obviously to mention to our listeners that the the celtic fire festivals were i'm going to say originally um celebrated and then the equinoxes and solstices were kind of tagged tagged on. I think after Gardner worked with um, Obod, I, I forget, I forget the Ross, name Ross of the guy, Ross, Ross Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah. That's right. So you've got the the four Celtic fire festivals of Samhain, Imbolg, Beltan, and mm. um, Lunasa, and then you've got the equinoxes and solstices, which obviously depend on um, where where you're at. But normally we can celebrate those those four fire festivals on a on a set date again a reminder that he comes from a, a damp country have all these fire festivals <laughs> yeah we need the fire festivals because like i said yeah. warm rain cold rain that's it <laughs> <laughs> and new england is very similar we're not on the same latitude the way that i feel like people in portland like in the oregon seattle area or oregon and washington i should like use the states are I think on the same latitude I want to say as the UK and so have a very similar weather pattern and um, similar planting season but we're just slightly north which is not how I think of it but geography is very confusing I really struggle Mm -hmm. anyway um no no fire here it's already warm enough exactly and I'll pass so for me um in our coven practice our Samhain is also a time of reflection, obviously, um, and also a time of honoring our beloved dead. So our ritual, we tend to get together in as large a group as we can when we can. So um, 
we like Samhain to be a big group. I think partially because the magic works well like that and partially because we, there's something of like a moral support um, to it. We get together in a large group, partially it's moral support, partially because the energy flows better. This is a really deep ritual for us and it's a very heavy ritual for us. My um, old high priestess in the coven I was initiated into used to say, um, Samhain and Beltane are two Sabbaths where we're doing true work, capital W, true work. And so at Samhain, we set up an altar um, with photos of all of our beloved dead. So sometimes that's family and sometimes it is people who are powerful and connected to us. So RBG has been on the altar. Leonard Nimoy has been on the altar. Um, Judy Harrow was on the altar the year she passed along with Margot. So it's, um, it's our ancestors at multiple levels. And then we also put food. So we have a potluck typically. And so what everybody has brought, we try to put like a smidge of it on a very large plate or platter along with wine. Um, and that goes on the altar as well. And then we put out little cups of wine or for people who don't drink wine, like different beverages on a center altar. And the whole purpose of our ritual is twofold. One, we invite our beloved dead back to be with us as part of the course of the ritual. Um, so we do a sort of like open wide the gates of death and um, I'm gonna like find the quote. Uh, so we say the dead are on their journey back to us. The way is clear and there's only our love and our voices to guide them back again. Be not afraid, be joyous. They are those we love return to us to join us in this holy rite. And then our chorus is yes, let us be joyful. But while the eyes and lips are sparkling gay, the heart stands trembling on the very brink of tears to know how many are away. And then we all do a toast to lights and life and love and death with our little cups of wine. And that's like the first half of the ritual. And I should say like, nothing I'm saying here is oath bounds. This is like our lines, basically our lines, personal practice, our open rituals, our Sabbaths, nothing that necessarily belongs to the Alexandrian tradition, but that belongs to us. And we don't consider it oath bound because we will hold these as open circles for non-initiates. Um, and then the second half of that is we do like a chorus where we take turns calling various groups of people um, who may have passed, but may have had difficulty passing beyond the veil. And so we call a number of different people say, um, all ye who wander unguided in the world of shadows, we summon you that you may be guided. All ye who died uncomforted in strange lands, we call you that you may be guided. We do like sovereigns and rulers of nations, warriors who died unprepared in battle, artists and scholars, uh, beggars and thieves. So we try and like cover a gamut of people who may have passed in the last year and had difficulty transitioning. And then we, again, symbolically with the gates of death open, try to assist those souls in passing beyond the veil. And then we sort of close with this line, that I kind of think is a derivation of something from the Orphic hymns, but I can't find the origins, um, which is let death come when it will and we shall fear it not for wherever we shall go shall be the sun and the moon and the stars and vision and communion with the gods um, to reinforce for us that 
like our time's going to come too. And then we just sort of celebrate. So Samhain is like a lot of work for the coven, but like after my purse, after my, I had a number of family members die in rapid succession. And so my personal practice really evolved along with that. So I started doing a dumb supper, which I had not really previously done. My first year that I did one, I was like living with a lot of people. So my dumb supper was like, I ordered pizza and took pizza and a bottle of wine up to my bedroom. And like in front of pictures of my family, I had a dumb supper of pizza. Uh, but you know, that works. And then- um, but, but if if you're feeling the work and yeah. you're, you're sobbing into a pizza, uh, a plate full of pizza, then- yes then you're open in the way. So it doesn't matter what's on the plate really. Yes. And I'm sure they were grateful for pizza. They don't get a whole lot of that in the underworld. And I didn't put pineapple on it either. Cause they all have feelings about that. So I, <laughs> I stuck with something they would like. Um, and we also have a longstanding tradition in, in my line and, and for me in my house of like, we put out their people's preferred beverages. Right. So like, I got to go to the liquor store and I'm like, I need, I need little nips. I need a bottle of Sambuca. I need a bottle of Jack. I need a bottle of Soko. This woman's got like a list of, of nips that she's handing me. She's like, you need a Rumpelmann. She's like, you need all, for what, for what are you drinking all of these horrible things? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, so like we, I, I take all of that and put that out for them. Um, but since then, you know, my dumb supper has evolved and I try to invite people who have also had family past. I think right now, like I'm at an age where um, except for tragedy, most people are just now starting to lose very close family members, like parents and siblings. Um, and so there's this weird, weird dynamic where like, there's a goodly number of people who have other things to do on Halloween, right? Or who don't, who don't maybe want to get too deep into thinking and feeling that it's just too hard. Um, and others who are like, I want quiet time on this holiday. And so trying to like, create some space for both of those things. But our Samhain is like a very, is a very witchy Samhain, I guess. Right. Is the best way to describe it. I think if Samhain isn't witchy, there's something wrong. (laughs) It's a fine point. (laughs) Of all of the Sabbaths, I think Samhain, we can get away with being as witchy as we want to be. Yes. All the black tool. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So we we do a dumb supper as well. And it's been interesting because we've done it my kids entire lives so the 16 year old 13 year old 8 year old have always experienced it and it's interesting when you start seeing them interact with in the beginning it becomes things like their pet or their goldfish and they want to invite their goldfish back at Samhain (laughs) but then it changes because my grandparents have all passed but my kids knew some of them Mm -hmm. so now it becomes more poignant in their experience of it it's no longer the goldfish it's a person they actually knew and cared about that's that's why i've never held a dumb supper so i'm glad you guys are talking about it because i'm sure i'm not the only person and i'm sure there may be a few listeners who don't know what a dumb supper is oh good point i was about to say the same thing peter i was going to ask um if it's something that you guys do much over in the uk i'm I'm, because i it's not something really we do I mean, a lot of here. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's heard of. Um, we've never done it as a coven, and I've never done it in a personal practice. Um, I've wanted to. Uh, maybe this is the, the year I start doing dumb suppers. 
but yeah, if maybe if you guys could talk about that, G and James, just a little bit more about what what is needed needed in air quotes mm. to do a dumb supper. Um, I think that'd be really interesting for me. Not not even for our listeners, just for yeah. me. <laughs> okay, well, G, do you want to go first or shall I? Well, I think it's probably a little bit different, right, know, for each of us. So yeah, so what? Since you've been doing be it fun. longer, and you and and you do it as like a sort of like a family tradition, which I my high priest also has been doing it with his son and his wife since he was a small child, and I love it as that idea. So I'm curious how you like what so you do. We always eat spaghetti, um, and the and the reason for that is my everybody loves it. Well, I mean it's delicious, but also any special hosting that my grandmother or my great great aunt would would do they made spaghetti and they've all passed and when we first started doing dumb suppers with the eternal harvest coven i would show up with spaghetti and we just kind of held on to that and we still would make we still make other dishes that our past relatives have made or put out beer or wine that individuals enjoyed but you essentially set a place at the table mm-hmm. for your ancestors. And we put out uh, tokens that some of these people owned. Mm-hmm. I have a rose from my grandmother's casket. Um, oh, nice. Pictures. Um, and those, we you drape the, the chair in the black robe. And oh. this spot is for the ancestors. Yes. And we also will set out... Uh, statues for lord and lady and i put a veil over the lord because he is in the underworld oh and so uh we'll make plates make plates for the ancestors set that in their spot put a candle on the plate so they have the light um but also the warmth of it because Mm -hmm. the the dead don't have the sensations we do. And so you get to not just give them food, but an offering of warmth as well. Here's a sensation you haven't had. And so when you're preparing plates, you uh, walk backwards to your spot. I don't remember why, but I was taught to do that. <laughs> don't overly salt your food because salt's not something the ancestors enjoy. Huh. <laughs> right. No salt. And then we we say a litany of names. We we call them by name. And we all take turns with anyone we want to add. I need to like write some of this down. And one, and once we're done with that, we ring a bell just as kind of a, a signal or we'll knock on the table three times as a signal. And then there's no talking. You you eat in silence with the memory of your ancestors, but also their presence. Mm-hmm. I know when I did this with the the grand coven, the uh, mother coven up in Oregon, they afterwards, some people talked about how they didn't taste the food or it tasted ashy mm-hmm. or there was some visceral difference to them. I've personally not experienced it, but I'm also not paying much attention to the food anyway. You know, I'm, I'm having memories and I'm immersed in them. Mm. Your attention um, isn't some, on the food. Right. right. And at some point, everyone's done eating mm-hmm. and it's time to, to be done. And mm-hmm. so, whatever, whoever gave the signal to begin, it's normally myself or the wife. 
will knock on the table or ring the bell. And that's the person who will then speak up. And it's, it's like the litany again, we're, we're thanking them. Um, and, and letting the ancestors go back to their rest, you know, see them next year. And then there's a whole lot of comforting people, you mm-hmm. know, maybe someone was, was crying during, mm-hmm. during it and they, they need hugs. You know, sometimes you break off and give people hugs during the dumb supper. Mm-hmm. Um, intense feelings do that. So the, yeah. that's what we do. Um, I know we, we drape the, the chair in the black robe, but mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to do that. You could also use white. Um, I know people don't think of white with death a lot in, in our culture, but it's the, the white of bones. Yeah. And then you have the red of blood. And so there, there's all these other real color symbolisms that you can use. And that's just, it's just what we, we do because the kids understand black real easy. Right. And adults yeah. also understand black really easily. That's very, yeah. <laughs> do I have to wear black to, to put in a plug for Mortellus's book? We were saying... It's inter- it's super interesting that you veil the the Lord at your table because like of course with like our ties to Persephone, we veil our goddess at um actually slightly before Samhain at, at Equinox. I've heard of some groups who who do that and also who um whose priestesses veil oh. for that for Samhain. I like that a lot. Mm. I like how ritualized your practice is, James. It's clear that you've been doing it for a really long time. And mm. um, I made a lot of notes of things that I really want to incorporate into my dumb supper practice as well, which is why I love these conversations. And I love that we're doing this podcast because again, like people's personal practice is so valuable and profound um, that it's, it's, so important for people to like understand that like we maintain those things and we're always shifting our personal practice too it's not like i it's not we are not a we are a cult small c but we're not a cult big c like we <laughs> we we maintain um our own ways but of doing it's, things it's tradition with a little t it's, it is, it's, yeah. the, it's the shared family recipes yeah and too often people think of the book of shadows as like scripture it's not right. scripture it's gospel. No. that's 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 old Auntie Doreen's and <laughs> Gardner's Saint family Doreen. recipes I got passed yes. down. Right, exactly. For those of you that can't see, Josie is like clutching at their pills. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> She's like, like dare you. Oh, oh, can we say that? Oh. <laughs> yes. I, 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 we, we jokingly say Saint, Saint Doreen and we say Saint Dion because we take, we take a lot from Dion Fortune. So Saint Dion and uh for sure for sure funny oh, i mean like we get way just, too just... familiar with them we're like oh if gerald was here <laughs> imagine if uncle gerald had seen <laughs> what would he do whatever he yeah. wants yeah well first we need, he would we strip need, we need to start for like making those what would gerald do responds bracelets yes yeah bracelets <laughs> we'll be like shouldn't it be a j no <laughs> no no it shouldn't wait where's ours has know, to be what would alex you know. do Right, yeah. Also, whatever should, he wants. Also, whatever yeah. he wants. Have a pint, I think was the yeah. correct answer. Touch your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe set his junk on fire. Maybe. 
so for for our listeners you you can you can youtube a lot of this yes a lot of these um these rituals that alex used to prawn were very flamboyant amazing but very flamboyant yes like you know talk about ritual drama right bless um, I think as Alexandrians, we all love the ritual drama. We do. I mean, and that's why the joke is like the bells and smells, right? Or like Alexandrians, right. what's the difference? It's the incense and like the amount of, of brass polish that you use right, to make everything shiny. Because if, if your fingers aren't black before ritual, you've not polished enough. Right. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you as a Gardnerian and an Alexandrian, it is real. And I have guessed it at other Gardnerian uh, <laughs> rituals. And they didn't know to cover the fire alarms or open the windows. And we had this off ritual and it's my Mm. fault because I thought I was helping by putting more incense on because I could still see people in the room. Yes. And they just didn't understand. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, So I'm glad we started with you, James, and like your really ritualized form of a dumb supper, which I loved. Um, and now I'm going to give the like DIY down home version of a dumb supper. Um, and it's kind of interesting, like dumb supper is a hundred percent entered the vernacular here in North America, at least because like my sister, after my mother passed, my, my younger sister was like, I want to do a dumb supper. She's not pagan. I don't know what she is. I don't think she knows either vaguely Catholic perhaps. Um, but she's like, I want to do a dumb supper. Like I heard, I've heard of a dumb supper and I was like, okay. And she's like, what should I do? And so I was like, oh, just like go have dinner with mom. Like just go upstairs. Like and have, our sister had also passed that year. Go upstairs and like have dinner with mom and angel and just like, don't talk and think about them the whole time and like put a plate for them. And she was like, oh, okay. And that's like really all you have to do. Like at its all, the purpose of a dumb supper is James said, very nice is to invite your, your beloved dead to be there with you. And to think of them and have a meal with them because we say at Samhain that the veil is thinnest. And so it's easier to connect. You can connect anytime. It's not like your dead aren't there with you. If that is how your beliefs roll at any given time of the year, but we feel at Samhain, maybe it's easier to make that connection. And so the absolute minimum that you need is some food for you and for your beloved dead and to put out it's nice if you can put out a plate of food separate for them and then have a plate yourself. And then you just, for the course of the meal, you don't speak because you're communing with your, your beloved dad. Um, for me, what I have slowly been involved, evolving it into. So this is my like third year for me. I also make a family recipe that was passed down from my paternal grandfather to my mother. Um, it's very yummy. And um, I also encourage anybody who wants to bring me to like bring their favorite foods, like from their ancestors or from like in their family. And then very similar, we put out a separate chair, a seat at the table. Um, we serve up a plate with whatever food we're eating that night has some on it for our ancestors. And then when people are ready, we ring a bell, um, and then just sit down to just have that quiet supper thinking of the people who have gone before imagining converse I for me I like imagine conversations that I would have with them I imagine um some of their reactions or I think about previous meals that we've had together that involved like this particular dish or that particular dish and so it's very informal is not the right word but it's it's very um like low tech I guess like we 
like the litany of names, I think is a real genius and definitely something I want to incorporate. Um, but previously, because I've invited friends whose dead are maybe different than my dead, you know, I've sort of left it to people to do their own communing. But I think um, I want to ritualize it a little bit more. But yeah, you don't need to. And it can be pizza. Like I said, like I ordered pizza. Like that was all I could do. It was all I could like bring myself to do. And I did. I cried over that damn pizza. Um, like this is a, if you cry, that's fine. If you don't cry, that's also fine. Like my first Samhain after my mother died, even with all that bit of the ritual that we talked about, I did not cry. I made myself work instead. I just didn't want to lose it. The Samhain after my sister died, which was like, she died in October. So then Samhain was like three weeks later. Of course I lost it. I just wasn't, I just couldn't quite feel. Um, but there have been years where I haven't lost anybody and I still lost it, like crying at Samhain. Like that's just what the holiday's for if you're in a place for it or if you need it. So that's perfectly legit. But I think Thumb Supper is really nice. But I also think like for me, it didn't personally make sense to do it until I had personal loss that I could family to invite because my connection with my ancestors um, was never super strong, like culturally or um, like the people who had died when I was younger, I didn't know. And so um, it just didn't occur to me to sort of have a conversation with them because I never had before. Um, and I didn't feel a particular need. I didn't feel like they were particularly nice people, some of them. And I didn't feel a particular need to like sit down at Samhain and, and have a cuppa. Um, but now having lost people who are closer to me, who I want to take that time with, I, um, I think about that. I remember Coco also, I think like when Coco came out, which is like very lovely. And I think Disney is awesome. Um, and I have very, very, very little to say in terms of Mexican traditions, because I do not know. But Coco came out and my sister, my younger sister, who's still alive, showed it to my mother. This was like the six months in between my sister had died and my mom died. So my mom was still alive and she showed it to my mom. And my mom was like, do you think, called me, like, do you think like this is a thing? Like if I put out a picture and like some food for Angel, for, for my sister, like that she'll like get it. And I was like, yeah, ma, like if that's going to help you, like if you want that, then like do it. So, I mean, I, I do think like some of these pieces are like go across practices and cultures and, and give people the connection that I think a lot of us really want and like need. So that's a downer. Um, although death is like, you know, ever present. So to round things out and bring us back to life, uh, Josie, what are you doing for the upcoming Sabbath? I mean, no pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> an entire continent of people are depending on you <laughs> and after all of your super solemn talk about death and grieving and mourning people I'm like yeah bell change sex and drugs and rock and roll <laughs> um look it's an interesting one this year um I was just reflecting on um how death and people who have passed kind of tie into our Beltane this year. Uh, one of the public things I'm a part of is the Mount Franklin Pagan Gathering and we're having our 40th year this year. Um, it's a Beltane festival where we camp um, and do all that sort of stuff in an extinct volcano. Or Sorry, I should say dormant volcano. There's no such thing as an extinct volcano. That's cool. 
that so, wait, what <laughs> let's just talk about that for a minute <laughs> that sounds Pause. amazing we're invoking the fire right for yeah sure, literally. For sure. <laughs> yeah um so yeah there's, there's there's a mountain uh near me called mount franklin and it's uh it's an ex- uh, dormant volcano and it's a fully formed volcanic cone so you can go into it you can drive down into it and there's like a kind of like a football oval sized kind of flat part inside it with steep steep walls with forest growing all the way around so you're in this bowl of forest that's one of the most beautiful places that i've ever seen anyway oh, that's <laughs> but we have a we have a beltane gathering there every year it's our 40th this year um <gasps> Uh, we think we're the oldest in the world now, the oldest neo-pagan gathering in the world. Um, it's hard because they all sort of started at the same time and because it was the 70s and 80s, um, not everybody took notice of things and not everybody mm-hmm. was completely compass at the time during these festivals often mm-hmm. in the 70s and 80s. Uh, so we Do you think... mean neo-pagan or uh, traditional specific? Okay, cool. Neo-pagan, yeah. That's really interesting. We're also coming out of COVID here in Australia. Um, at the time of recording, Melbourne's still in a lockdown. We're in our 12th lockdown where I am. Uh, we can't have people over still. Our gatherings can only be very small. Um, so Mount Franklin will look very different this year, mm. which will be really strange because usually it's completely free and anybody can come. Um, so what we're sort of reflecting on is a lot of our founders, um, died during the last pandemic, this planet saw, which was the AIDS epidemic. Um, and at this time when it's the 40th and we're thinking about the time that things were founded and that it, it was such a prolific time in Australia for paganism at that time. A few of our main events kind of start up around that time with these same people that it all happened in a pandemic as well, I guess, is really interesting and something that bears thinking about, I guess. So they'll be on our minds this year, certainly, um, as we celebrate Beltane, the other side of the coin. Yeah, so usually with that we have a um, super casual. We all camp we sort of camp hop and visit each other and it's like a big family reunion in a lot of ways um there's a maypole dance um there is a big ritual in the center of the crater uh with a huge huge big bonfire which is really nice we've got a specially made we had to because it's because public liability is a thing now we had to get a big flat drum made to build our bonfire on top of so we have like a big plate but it's like several meters across. It's it's like maybe twelve feet across. <laughs> we can do meters. It's fine. <laughs> do you understand meters? I can multiply by three. It's close enough. <laughs> um, it's big. So <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. It's going to be really fun, and I'm really looking forward to that. So that's the public side of things. Um, I'll get together with my coven as well, um, and do something just for us uh probably again involving fire and wine mm-hmm. um and fun. maybe like a, I was thinking like a picnic sort of thing for um my kind of wider extended kind of pagan Wiccan kind of circle mm-hmm. as well um probably like a barbecue in the park because we're Australian right nice <laughs> that's perfect mm. 
it's really interesting having been doing public Beltanes for a while to see that shift. And I'm sure we'll talk about this more in six months time when you guys are talking about Beltane too. Um, but that shift from the idea of the, the, the consort and the maiden and the chasing and, and mm-hmm. all of this and the fact that they're kind of Beltane can be more things to more people now. And that's yes. okay. Um that's making me really happy to see and to think about as we're writing this ritual for this year. It hasn't even come up, you know, it's much less of a thing and it's nice. That's awesome. Yeah. It will be great to talk about the shift Mm. from like heteronormativity into like more inclusive Beltane practices Mm. for sure. And I'm really glad that you brought that up and I'm really glad that you're seeing that in your community now. Definitely. But let's shelve that for our Beltane episode. Yes, you can shelve it. Um, (laughs) But since you mentioned it, and since it is Samhain, it had not occurred to me previously, but um, if we could take a moment to raise our collective cups of coffee or whatever, listeners, we've got like two of us are on early morning here. One of us is mid-afternoon and one of us is ready for bed. Um, But if we could raise a cup of coffee to our neo-pagan ancestors, um, to the founders of our various lines and traditions who have gone before many of whom were lost in the AIDS pandemic. That's true of my line's founder as well, uh, or one of the founders of my line, um, and who sacrificed a lot and worked really hard to give us great traditions. So cheers to them. Yes. And um, yes. another solid oh. reminder. I'll look at you with the Gaelic. Uh, hail. Oh, hail. Me and all their names. <laughs> oh, we well, should so do that's, that again that's, then. That's part of how our, <laughs> no, it's part of how the, the litany for us goes is, uh they're, they're beautiful in all their names so oh, you'd be beautiful. like uh mm-hmm. if you're calling one person you can list out all the names associated with that one person or their title and so it's Mimal, beautiful in oh. all her names irma beautiful oh. in all her names and so on and so forth oh and, i love that i'm writing um, it down the my my upline in the eternal harvest started doing that and i think it originates with egyptian or comedic practice mm. but don't quote me i could be wrong or off base and she'll probably call me and let me know when she hears this no that's that's super gorgeous also like it has not come up today and maybe we could save this for a future episode but like two or three years ago people started saying hail the traveler when people died and i was very confused because i had never seen or heard that before and i still have not got the slightest idea where that came from does anybody know? Mm-mm. I like it. I assume we mean the traveling soul or maybe death is a traveler because death certainly is a traveler, but um, it sounds I, very nice. I just I have heard no discussion idea. on it once. Yeah. Or read discussion on it once in one of the initiate groups, but I don't recall what they said. It's a nice practice that I'm Not seeing bad. in the neo-pagan community. I mean, I think it's very sweet, um, but yeah okay anyway sorry so that was that was a digression but thank you for that james and thank you everybody um i really liked our Samhain special podcast and i'm super psyched at how many things i learned (laughs) and that i'm gonna change in my practice now based on this conversation i was just thinking i'm gonna go back and listen to this in six months and write a bunch of stuff down for my Samhain. (laughs) and same for us for belting um for sure So what did we talk about today? Today, we talked about various personal practices for Samhain, both in terms of 
what we do ourselves as individuals in personal practice or with our like biological family, I guess, or, or like our, our intimate family and what we do in our coven practice and how those are different from what we do with like how those can be different from the tradition the Alexandrian tradition itself. And we also got to talk about how at least one of us celebrates Beltane in their personal practice and in their community and within their coven. And so um, I'm glad for my global community and our ability to share what we're all doing across the globe, even when they're totally different and also not all that different. So hail and farewell, everybody. Thank you. And until next time.